Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. I'm your host and Magnify's founder, Ruth Yimika Afalabi. Social media has become a staple of our society and our modern culture. There are huge benefits from helping us connect with people across the world, discover exciting brands, build communities, and promote our ventures and businesses. But in the midst of this, especially for those of us for whom social media is a huge part of our lives, how can we display more authenticity online? I had the privilege of speaking to Matty James, who has been creating content online for over 10 years, has over 100,000 followers across her social media platforms, and coaches other influencers in growing their business. In this conversation, we spoke about having the confidence to be your true self online, how she thinks the Black Lives Matter movement gaining increased visibility will provide more opportunities for women like herself in the industry, and why it's important to make sure that her faith and life are prioritised so that work doesn't take over. Let's listen in. How are you doing with everything that's, yeah, the world that's turning upside down? Right, right. Um, You know, I think the perfect word is I am cautiously um, optimistic. Mm. So just taking it one day at a time. um, You know, I think it was just one of those inevitable things. So I am, like I said, cautious, but optimistic. And yeah, just taking it one day at a time. And I'm excited because it does force us, especially in this country, to have um, a lot of conversations that we've been avoiding for a while, but are necessary if we in fact do want to make this change that, you know, we, we are so vocal about. So the first question I always like to start off with to really give people an idea of the type of person you are, the types of conversations you like to have. If you could have dinner with four guests from any era, who would they be and why? We say Michelle Obama. One of my ancestors, if I'm being honest, I would probably say maybe like my great grandmother, um, my grandfather's mom. Um, I just think it would be interesting just to, you know, learn about her and just, you know, understand why I am the way I am. So I think I would definitely invite her. I think, you know, not to sound cliche, but maybe Beyonce as well, because, you know, (laughs) because obvious reasons. Um, and then last but not least, um, I would probably want Oprah to be there in the conversation too, to just have all those minds and all of those, um, black women from these different generations and, you know, different walks of life, you know, I think it would be cool. And I think it would be fascinating to see my great grandmother respond to what, you know, we've become, you know, over, over the years. So I think that would be pretty cool for her to see. Oh, I love that. Um, And so what's a surprising or maybe unusual fact about you? I think not a lot of people know that I won Miss Liberia USA in 2009. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people know that. And, (laughs) you know, that's always a conversation starter. So, yeah, I would probably say that one. Um, And then finally, how do you like to switch off and relax? 
man, I really, really do love to read. I am, I love to read. I just think that, you know, just information, especially in this age where there's so many, you know, quick points and, you know, um, there's so many, there's so much clickbait out there just to like read something fast or, you know, for the sake of pop culture gossip or canceling someone. So I really love to just like dive deep. I, I don't like reading fic- fiction. Um, I, just, I love reading nonfiction books and just learning about something really specifically. Um, so I love reading. Um, and then of course, like just a nice bubble bath, man. It's just nothing like, because I don't get to take them as often anymore because I have three kids. Um, I'm always really, really happy when I get to do that. Amazing. Um, so I think looking at you now, obviously so accomplished, not just in your career, but also with family life, I really want to go back to your childhood and maybe look at some of the things that shaped who you are today. Um, so what was your childhood like and what were some of the values instilled in you and also experiences who, that shaped who you are? Man, I had such a great childhood. My sister and I were just talking about this. I'm the oldest of two. And my sister and I were just talking about this. And we had such a great childhood. My parents did a really good job. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, to an extent, they definitely kept us in a bubble. You know, they tried their best to keep us in the safety net. You know, we definitely grew up for the most part, like by the time I got to like middle school and high school, we definitely were, we were that token black family in all white neighborhood for the most part. So I really did not start to learn about what I would consider like my true identity and really understanding, um, you know, what does make me so special, you know what I mean? Which absolutely, I think, you know, um, you know, being a black woman, being Liberian American, you know, first American generation and, and understanding all of those things didn't come until my twenties, but, you know, I grew up, I, you know, I, dance. I did cheerleading. I did pageants. Um, I was definitely a girl's girl, but I love sports as well. And I went to school for journalism. I wanted to become the, the Oprah of sports. And funny enough, you know, I, I left school early, so I never graduated and got my degree from college, but I ended up, you know, I learned about blogging and I moved to New York city cause I thought I was going to become a pop star. So I was like, let's go to New York city wow. and make our dreams come true. Um, and God's honest truth is that, uh, the music industry was not compatible with my, uh, with my personality. It just moves really fast. And, you know, it, it just, there's just a lot of moving parts. And I think it just was definitely not what I expected. And I ended up, I ended up learning how to like write and, and, and discovered blogging in that time I was in New York. And so that's really how I was introduced to that. Wow. Um, so speaking of that, obviously, when you said you started blogging, it wasn't, like a kind of career path as we know it today as a content creator. So um, how did you kind of then develop from blogging into thinking that this could be something that you could do full time? And what was that journey like? So when I left New York, I moved to Atlanta. I grew up in the, you know, in Pennsylvania and the Pittsburgh area. So, um, which is not really known for much, but like football. So, um, I moved to Atlanta where my maternal grandmother still lives. Um, I, you know, had aunts and cousins and uncles down here and stuff like that. And my grandfather had fallen ill 
and I came down to, you know, make sure I could spend like my last few months, his last few months with him. And, um, I'm really glad I did. And I was working retail, you know, I left New York. I was still figuring things out in New York and I was, you know, at temp agencies and just kind of working, you know, freelance jobs here and there. When I moved to Atlanta, I was working retail and, you know, just became consistent at it and was pretty good at sales. I became a manager, but retail management is really tough because that schedule is not (laughs) ideal. I would not wish it on a war criminal. I just, it's like the worst schedule ever. And yeah, it's, it was, you know, but I, you know, I didn't have any kids. I didn't, I wasn't in a serious relationship or anything yet. Um, and then in 2008, I met my husband. We got engaged after six months of dating. And then um, in 2009, I won Miss Liberia. Had started blogging casually, but then once I won, um, so many more eyes were on me, uh, especially like within my community. So I was like, well, let me get serious about blogging. And I still was like, you know, I, I was hopeful very, very naive, very green, but very hopeful that I would turn this into something. I thought it would happen fast because I was just so passionate about it. And no matter how passionate you are about it, it, that does not, um, (laughs) that does not excuse you from doing the work. And I learned that very quickly. So, you know, once, once I won the pageant, I kind of walked away from retail and, and started interning and, and eventually I started working as a home, uh, as a showroom manager for a home decor company. Um, but long story short, I, I worked that job for almost four years and just blogged pretty consistently while I was at that job and used that job to finance everything I needed for, you know, blogging successfully. So buying my MacBook and buying a, you know, a good camera and buying the clothes necessary to be in, in photo shoots and stuff like that. So just being consistent, I just always believed in myself when it came to blogging. I can't really explain why (laughs) I just was like, this is going to work for me because it has to. (laughs) So I just kept at it. And yeah. And in June of 2015, I was let go from my job and luckily now I had been blogging for five years at that time. So, or or I'm sorry, I made it five years that I've been blogging full time. And so, yeah, so it was just kind of like, yeah, I I had been praying for it. I'd been really wanting to blog full time. And now I, I was at this place where I had already figured out how to make what I made at my nine to five, um, you know, with, with, you know, sponsored blog posts and brand campaigns and stuff like this. And so it was like, now I really had to prove to myself, like, okay, you really wished and hoped and prayed that you could blog full time. Now is your chance. So once I was let go from my nine to five, I never looked back. My husband was wildly supportive and I'm really fortunate for that. Um, and yeah, I just really, and I still do to this day, just really work, you know, really try my best to work hard and, and create great content. Wow. Um, so I want to pick up on a point that you said. I think that sometimes the world we see is so much promoting people who are apparently overnight successes, which we all know mm-hmm. that's, that's just not, not the case. Um, but in that time, um, when it was taking a while, you said that you just knew it would happen, but were there any moments where you felt discouraged or you felt like this is taking so long? What were your kind of emotions going through that? Yeah, for sure. I think like 2016 and 2017 was really hard 
because it was like no longer that fresh, you know, like it's so exciting. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm full time now. And I was so frustrated and I was in this season where I was putting work over my family life and over my marriage. And so that definitely caused a lot of, you know, conflict and essentially, you know, caused the separation between me and my husband. And so I was just really lost because I was like, you know, nothing was working out, right? My marriage wasn't working. There was discourse at home. You know, it just felt like I should be growing faster as a blogger and an influencer and nothing was working out. And for me in that season, I just really learned about doing things in order. And so there's nothing wrong with me wanting to be successful at all, you know, or for any woman for that matter. Um, But because also... I was somebody's wife and somebody's mom, you know, those things had to be prioritized first. So my business was still a priority, but it was only prioritized after my, my husband and my children. And once I got that in order for me, everything changed, everything, you know what I mean? Like the peace and the happiness, you know, with my family. And then even the success of my business as an influencer, because now when I came to work, you know, even though I work for, I work for myself and I work here at home, but when I came, like now when I arrived to do work, I was coming from a place of peace. I was centered. I was balanced. I wasn't coming from this place of being rattled and stressed and all of that. And so now for me, that is like one, not only part of my personal values, but even my professional values, because when it's out, again, when things are out of order, they don't work. And so that was really what I learned. And so, yeah, I, I, w- I would say I was probably discouraged for a solid year, year and a half, but I never gave up. I never quit. Um, and I think that's really important, you know, like even if you're only moving a little, you're still moving, you know, and that, that still counts. I love that. Um, so you, I want to talk about authenticity online. So I saw a great tweet from you, which said that so many of us are trying to show up perfect instead of showing up present and it's costing us purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, as a passionate woman yourself, um, how have you learned to embrace sharing where you are authentically? Because I guess in the online world, sometimes a lot of what we see is just perfection. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be hard to be open or ourselves because obviously people are so judgmental online. Um, So how have Mm -hmm. you, along your journey, been able to feel that you can share who you truly are and where you're at? Well, I think for me, it became a lot more freeing when I could be authentic and, and find a way to be myself versus trying to morph and, you know, mold myself into this like perfect facade of who I actually am. And also people are really smart. I think we we forget that. Like people are incredibly smart. At least my followers are. <laughs> my <laughs> followers are really smart. So I, I feel like if I'm like faking the funk and trying to seem perfect, you know, they're like, no, it doesn't feel good. You don't get as much engagement. Like it just, it just comes through the screen. You can tell, you know, I get it. I, I'm an influencer. And so especially in my content where I'm trying to sell you stuff or can, you know, inform you about a product or a service, you know, being presentable definitely does matter, but being perfect, it doesn't really, for me, it's all about connecting with my audience. Um, you know, when it comes to influence, you're, you're influential because of DNA, right? You have to be decisive. You have to be noticeable and you have to be authentic. If you don't have DNA, which I like to call like the trifecta of DNA, then it's hard to be, you know, 
it's hard to maximize your influence, you know? So your audience wants to know where you stand. Your audience wants to see you, right? They want you to capture their attention and keep it. And then they want you to be authentic. They don't want you to, to lie. They want you to, to be honest and be yourself. You know, we hear that when we're little, but it's true when you become an adult, be yourself. There's nothing that's going to beat that. Wow. Um, So in a time where metrics are important and often, I guess, particularly in the social media world, followers are seen as your currency or your value. How do you stay grounded and not let the pressure of online growth get to you? Because obviously you can create amazing content and work really hard, but none of us can determine how people receive that. So yeah, I'd love to know how you deal with that pressure. Well, I recently started a Facebook group and, you know, while I have, you know, quite a decent following on Instagram, this Facebook group is a little bit more modest. It has like a little less than 1500 um, members in it. And there I really just talk and connect as if all of these women and some men in there are my friends. And I really try to connect on a community level versus like an influencer to audience level. And I think that's what keeps me grounded when I learn that we are having similar problems, regardless of which level we are at in our influencer journey. And that's really great. And that feels good because you feel seen, you feel understood. And I think there's nothing more important than that. So really talking to my audience versus at them, really thinking about how I can serve them. You know, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. Yes, I'm an influencer, but I don't work for myself. I work for my audience. I work for my community. I work for my team. I work for my family. And so once I pull myself out of the center and I'm always thinking about how I can be of service to someone, that's really how I'm able to stay humble. Wow. Um, And so what are some of the challenges? And I guess maybe um, challenges that people don't realize about the industry, because obviously working in media, have a bit more of an understanding, but some people might think it's just about taking a photo really quickly, which is just clearly not um, the level (laughs) of work required. Um, So what are some of the challenges? And then also maybe um, the level of work that goes into being a successful influencer that people might not be aware of? Sure. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of admin. It's it's so much admin work, you know, where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, um, I'm really blessed because I have a small team. I was sharing this on, um, I shared this on Instagram, um, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday. And basically, you know, you have some influencers who have hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, and they have, you know, agents and uh, reps that go out and negotiate deals for them. And in what, 2016, 2017, when I really was at this kind of like, what seemed like a dead end, I reached out to these companies and no one would give me a chance. You know, some people said I didn't have what they were looking for. Some people said I didn't have the numbers, whatever have you. And so what I had to do was build my own team, build my own agency kind of like internally for the most part um, and figure it out. And I think that's really hard. I think you have, um, you know, I'm based in Atlanta, not New York or, or LA. So I know sometimes, you know, that can be difficult because people tend to go to those markets first. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still a black woman. So naturally I am overlooked, um, by, you know, my, my white counterparts, uh, you know, many times, you know, but I think at the end of the day, it's just work too, right? Even if you 
all of that other stuff aside, like just doing the work to edit photos, to make sure you spell things correctly, to make sure something gets approved before you post it by a brand. It's a lot of steps, a lot of work. There's a lot of systems and process in, in, in place that I think that I know people don't see, right? Um, and that's essentially what I teach, you know, in my, my course, because I, I want people to know that it's a lot of work, but it's work that you can handle if you have the appropriate systems and processes in place. So it's a lot of admin, man. You know, I think a lot of people think it's putting on makeup, doing your hair, taking a selfie. And gosh, I probably do that once or twice a week because I'm so busy trying to balance all the other stuff. Wow. Um, and then in terms of authenticity and how the pandemic has changed things, because obviously a lot of times it was trips and getting to go outside to create content. How do you think that the pandemic and I guess the uprising of people being more conscious, even about the type of brands they support and the values that those brands have, how do you think this whole season that we're in will change the world of influencing? Gosh, it's going to change it drastically. I think I said, maybe in March, I said influencer marketing isn't going anywhere because of COVID. If anything, it's going to maximize and even increase, I think, human lifestyle um, influencer marketing. And I still believe that um, it is definitely uh, been a true statement for my own partnerships. I think the partnerships have been... um, you know, blessed with, you know, during this season have been really home and lifestyle focused. And that's because more people are staying home. A lot of the physical stores have been closed for a while and are still closed. And so people are still shopping, but they're shopping online. You know, they're shopping for their home. They're finally getting to those home projects or those personal projects they haven't gotten to because they were so busy going to work, going to events and and doing things outside of the home. So I'm really optimistic that things will um, continue to grow and advance um, influencers. I think for you know, black influencers and creatives um, and thought leaders, I think this is a really, really great time. I think this is a really great time to bring up things now. I think that uh, people are slowly but surely um, starting to understand how how much this is not okay and how these conversations are necessary if in fact we are going to accomplish equality like we claim we want. Um, And I understand that that can be uncomfortable, right? Because especially here in this country, we're unpacking 400 years of of nonsense and oppression and all all of that. So, you know, it's it's not going to happen because we talked about it two or three times. This is something that we are literally going to have to work together to do. Um, we're going to have to um, support financially and, and in the media, um, Black businesses, Black freelancers, Black uh, influencers, and all of that. We're going to have to highlight them just like we do our you know, white, um, black counterparts, it's really important. Um, but if you're willing to do the work, we, you can accomplish anything. So like I said, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I am optimistic, cautiously, of course, you know, because I know everything isn't rainbows and sunshine, but I am really looking forward to what these next couple of years are, are going to bring for, for change, to be honest. Wow. Um, And so then how do you disconnect? Because obviously this is a huge part of your job. And how do you also know kind of mentally and emotionally when you need a break from the online world? You know, last week was was when I had to 
really talk to myself and coach myself off the ledge, right? Because there's so much information. There's so much going on from protest to what's going on in the election and different. There's just so many moving parts. Um, and what I realized is that it, it's fine to feel however you feel. I think what you have to be careful with is making sure that you're not taking on and projecting somebody else's thoughts and feelings on something just because you've been taking in so much from scrolling on timelines, whether it's Twitter, whether it's uh, Facebook, whether it's Instagram. And so for me, I mean, I think it was last Tuesday, I just deleted Instagram and Twitter. I was just like, I, you know, I wasn't even interested in lying to myself and saying, I'm not going to be on there that much. I would just delete the app, you know, Um, I'm really fortunate because, you know, we shoot content um, in advance and, you know, I shoot quite a bit. So even with, you know, two months off and, and, social distancing for my photographer, I still had quite an ample amount of content. And so a lot of times I'll just schedule stuff and just not be online for a day, sometimes too, just because my brain needs that break. Um, and if I'm going to show up and serve my community and serve my audience at an optimal level, then sometimes that's what that requires, you know? And, and the, 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 the amazing part, and this is the spoiler for people who are wondering what happens, it's not going anywhere. You come back and Instagram and Twitter are right where you left it and, and everyone's fine. So yeah, I've learned that like if, if my audience doesn't hear from me one or two days, you know, because I needed that mental break, I needed to, you know, step back to be more present with my family, be more present with myself, be more present with the Lord and, and, and get into prayer and devotion, which I do every single day because it's necessary. But once I find myself like trying to speed through it or skipping it, I definitely always take a step back. Cause again, I got to keep those things in order. So it's like my relationship with God, my relationship with my husband and my children, and then my relationship with my you know, my friends and then my followers, like that's how that goes. Again, we got to go in order. So yeah, it's faith, it's family, it's friends and the people who are in like my, what I like to call my real life. And then it's my followers. And those all are all things that are priorities, but those priorities have to be in that order if I'm going to be functioning at an optimal level. I love that because um, I was reading a book on digital minimalism and the author, mm. his view of social media is very extreme compared to where I am. Um, but he said <laughs> something about how it's important, our relationship with social media, that we're controlling our access to social media rather than the other way around. Um, mm. And so I just love what you've been saying about order and priorities because the online world is so addictive and constantly Mm -hmm. have something in our pockets or our bags where we can always be kind of connected to what is not in our, in front of us in our day-to-day lives. So I love what you've said about prioritizing. Um, So I want to talk a bit about identity. So I think for many of us in, it's very natural to want to be affirmed and want to be liked by other people. And that's definitely been amplified by social media. Um, On an emotional and mental level, how do you deal with that? You have to be careful with that. Again, it's just understanding and staying aware of what your relationship with um, you know, for me, what, what is my relationship with God? Like who, like, am I doing things to be liked or am I doing things to complete my assignment and bring glory to the kingdom? Like that's how I try to stay focused, you know? Um, and that, and that is an active thing. That is something that you have to do on a regular and everyday level. You have to stay in tune. That's why, 
you know, I read the word every day. I read books every day. I try to listen to something that teaches me something every day, just because if you continue to just scroll, it is in fact, incredibly, incredibly, um, it can just, it's just daunting, you know, and you can easily lose yourself. Even the most smart and uh, intentional person can lose themselves because, it's a lot. There's just so many voices coming at you. You know, for me, you know, of course, like I want my, my audience and my followers to like me and to enjoy what I'm providing for them. But I think when I think about it from the inside out versus the outside in is where I have the most success. When I create content from a place, again, from trying to serve, trying to provide value, trying to, you know, really provide a quick or even a long-term win for my audience, whether it's like helping them find, you know, the best organizer for their pantry or even how to pitch brands. When I'm coming from that place where I really want to provide something that adds value and usefulness to their lives, um, typically I don't have a problem being liked or typically I don't have a problem getting, you know, having my content received in a positive way, but because I was operating from the inside in versus going, oh my gosh, okay, are they going to like if I wear this? Let me do this because I know they're going to think that this is cool. And it's like, again, are you trying to, it's just being really clear on what the goal is each and every time you post, each and every time you are having that interaction with social media, your blog or whatever have you, your podcast as well. So I think, again, it starts from within. It doesn't start from without. It starts from within. And I think once you operate from inside out, you you typically don't have an issue with, you know, or not as many, I should say, um, with people liking you or people, you know, thinking you're authentic and different things like that. And that's really how I try to lead, you know, my, my, my business and, and being an influencer at any time I do that, it's, it's a positive. Anytime I do that, it's a positive and I end up just connecting with my audience so much more. Wow. Um, so following on in regards to identity, I think that imposter syndrome and also comparison are things that a lot of people, regardless of their field, have to navigate. Is that something you've ever faced and how have you dealt with that? Oh, absolutely. But you know, the thing is, and I, I do really believe in this, you have to fake it till you make it. So sometimes you do have to like go in the mirror and tell yourself like, you have this, you're really great. You know, like, so even when I didn't have that many followers or, you know, I, you know, wasn't uh, getting as many partnerships, I really had to, you know, look myself in the mirror, like you can do this. You are a valuable influencer. You are good at what you do. People, you know, people, you know, respect what you do. You provide value for others. And sometimes you just have to affirm yourself. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's tough, you know, cause it, it's easy again to, to look and say, wow, she has this many followers or this happened for her. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, like you don't know what that person went through. Um, and regardless of even what that story is, your story is still valuable and you have to go through the necessary steps to go from imposter uh, to individual, shall we say. Um, but yeah, you know, I've absolutely had that. But I always just say, you just, you just, you just fake it till you make it. So you just, sometimes I would just pretend like the content I was making, whether it's an outfit post or a recipe post, like I was doing it for a magazine or I was doing it for like you know, a hundred thousand or, you know, 250,000 followers. You, you just have to fake it till you make it. I, the thing too is though, what I do know now and, and, and absolutely learned as I was growing is that, you know, I, I think a lot of us harp on like how many, right? Um, so how many followers, you know, this 
many people. But if you don't know how to serve 75 people, you certainly won't know how to serve 75,000. So you have to be careful what you wish for, right? So a lot of times we're like, man, I, you know, I just want more followers. I just want more followers. And it's like, well, you have to know how to serve a little bit before you can know how to serve a lot. It doesn't go the other way around. So you have to be consistent in serving those people when it's just 100 followers, when it's just 1,000 followers. Because when you grow, you have to know how to then maintain your relationship with that large group of people as you grow. So it, it, it's fine. You fake it till you make it. You stay consistent. You push through and you keep going. I think keeping going is so important. Staying consistent is so, so important. Um, and, and just believing in yourself. I, I got to say that is, you know, I, I, I realize I don't maybe talk about that as much, but I really did believe in myself. I just really did. Even when it was just like 38 people, it was like my mom and like two girls <laughs> I went to high school with reading the blog. I was like, one day this is going to be different. I really believed in myself. And, and that did help me to like coach myself, even in those moments when I felt like an imposter and those days where it was really hard and I didn't feel like posting, I just would believe in myself, affirm myself, and it would help me to keep going. Um, so we spoke a little bit before we started recording, but in what ways do you think the Black Lives Matter movement coming to the fore um, and the discussions about race, how do you think that will impact your industry and your work as a Black content creator? And also, I guess, what are some of the positive changes you hope to see? Well, I think now people are really interested in listening to me like versus just hearing me, they're, they're interested in listening now, you know, and I think any, any, anyone wants to be heard, but, you know, especially as somebody who is a black woman, I think a lot of times I'm overlooked, not just because of my gender, but also because of my race. So I'm excited that my, you know, that the needs and of my community are being put to the forefront and being taken seriously for once. Um, I'm really excited about that. I think it's a positive thing because I, I think now we can stop dancing around issues and, and have some direct conversations. I think the conversations will be uncomfortable. Like I mentioned earlier in our, conver- you know, earlier when we, we started this, I, I just think though it's going to be necessary and good for everyone. You know, you have, you have companies who are genuine you have companies who are just doing it because it's the thing to do. So for some people, it will be a trend. I'm not really worried about those people. I'm worried about the people who are interested in being an ally. I'm interested in those people who are willing to actually help me and other fellow black influencers and content creators um, and thought leaders be seen. And, you know, that's really what I want to choose to focus on. For me, it's about continuing to teach influencers, you know, how to ask for the money they want so they can create the businesses they want as an influencer, you know, and my goal is to help influencers overall. But, you know, my priority is to champion black influencers because a lot of times we're overlooked. We're not provided the same access and opportunities as our non-black or white counterparts. And that's important because people want to market to the black community, right? That is why they hire black influencers because a lot of times they don't know how to speak to our community um, and to our audience. And so it's important, one, to hire black influencers, but then hire them and pay them what they should be paid. Um, And at the end of the day, I'm not even looking for somebody to just voluntarily even be like, oh, okay, we'll give you this. My goal is to strap and and, and, uh, equip black influencers with the knowledge and the confidence to know how to negotiate 
need to know how to pitch and not feel like they need to have representation or an agent or a manager if that's not a fit for them. And they can go ask for what they want and not be sold short because they asked for what they wanted in the first place. So that's really my, I feel like that's my part in, in this whole thing. I hope that Black Lives Matter is something that is actually a lifestyle and actually a habit versus a hashtag. Um, I think the um, I think Color Me Courtney on in Instagram said that, and I, I couldn't agree more. Wow. Um, so you've spoken a lot about prioritizing, um, but as someone who wears so many different hats, I wanted to ask if there are any kind of productivity hacks you've discovered, because obviously even having children, children, because of their very yeah. nature, don't always like to fit into the schedule that you've designed. Um, so how right. have you, um, yeah, kind of any tips and tricks that you've learned about being productive? Well, I love time blocking the personality of someone who's like, okay, I'm going to do this at 8.15 and then I'm going to do this at 9.10 and then I'm going to do this at 11.50. I'm just not that girl. Now, I'm happy to knock off things off my list, but it's more than likely going to happen, especially with three small children, if I have between 9 and 11 a.m. to do it or 12 to 3 or, you know, three to five. Once you start kind of operating in that and giving yourself a window, then it's even, you know, even where it's like, whether I'm working with my husband or working with my assistant or whoever I'm collaborating with, or, you know, need to bounce ideas off of, I'm able to say, Hey, I need this pocket of time, or I need this window, or are you available in this window? Um, and for me, that has helped to me to be one, a lot more honest. Um, It's allowed me to actually be a lot more flexible, but still creating clear boundaries as well. So instead of like, you know, leaving it wide open, like between 11 to five, you don't want it to be that wide of a block. But I think if you give yourself like two to three hour blocks, especially as a mom, and if you, you know, if you are a stay at home mom, but also a work from home mom, that is really, really huge. That changed the game for me. So finally, I wanted to move on to faith. So how did you come to, I guess, a personal faith and what does faith mean to you? Gosh, you know, faith is really so important. Um, It's really just about um, your relationship with God and being completely in alignment with that and being completely authentic with that. And am drawing your confidence and everything that you are from that. You know what I mean? Like I am the kind of wife I am because of the kind of relationship I have with Jesus. I am the kind of mother I am because of the kind of relationship I have with Jesus. It, it all comes back to, to there. So I realized that whenever I'm completely in alignment, I'm consistently talking to the Lord. I'm consistently reading the word. I'm consistently understanding and, and getting more full from the word when I allow it to fuel me. And when I stay aware of his presence every single day, whether I'm like hanging out with the kids, I'm having a a podcast interview, I'm cooking dinner. Whenever I'm completely aware of his presence, I tend to be more confident. And when I am more confident in who, who, not only who I am, but whose I am, I can better serve everyone else, right? Because I realize who I'm doing it for. I realize why I'm doing it. And for me, I really try to navigate my day-to-day like that. You know, my, the prayer I always say is, you know, Lord, help me to be extra sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to miss anything you have for me. I don't want to miss a thing. Send me a sign, a smoke signal, a email, (laughs) whatever you have to send me, Lord. I don't want to miss anything you have for me. And recently I've been really trying my best to pray dangerous prayers because at the end of the day, you know, it's not safe 
to follow Jesus, right? It's just not, you know, like you're following someone who like came to earth and knew that he was going to die on the cross for us. You know, like that is amazing. Like following someone like that is not safe. Like he's, he's cut from a different cloth quite literally, you know? So um, I've been praying to pray. I'm reading the book, Dangerous Prayers by um, Pastor Greg Rochelle. Um, and those three dangerous prayers are search me, Lord. Um, search me, Lord, break me, Lord, and send me, you know, I want you to search my heart, whatever is anxious in there, whatever doesn't belong in there, reveal it to me and help me to like fight against that every single day and get rid of that. Um, break me where it's like, I'm not interested in anything that is self-serving. I want you to break me and pour you into me so that I can share that with others, you know? And then lastly, send me, you know, a lot of times the Lord needs somebody to do something specific and that requires you to go somewhere. And a lot of that time, a lot of the time, it's really uncomfortable. But when you think about how just uncharacteristically, like in, in, in comparison to man, just like how wide and deep and long he loves us, you know, you know, volunteering to, for you to be the one to, that he sends no longer is as scary or dangerous. And it's more of an invitation, you know, because you are so aware of how much he does for you on a day-to-day basis. I just think about like the super small things I do that is not acceptable to, to, to other people, right? Whether it's a little a small white lie just to make sure I appease somebody or something a little bit selfish just so, you know, you don't have to share with somebody or lusting over somebody else's position and different things like that. And just these things that other people don't know, but he knows and he still shows up for us 110%. He still loves us to a place where you can't even articulate it in words. Um, that's somebody I'm happy to volunteer to be sent for. That's somebody I'm happy to be broken for. That's somebody I am happy to let him search me. So for me, yeah, it's just about my day-to-day life. You know, we haven't been to church and what, like, honestly, since the baby was born, because I was on maternity leave and then COVID happened. So we literally haven't physically been in church um, for a while. And we, we have an amazing church that we're happy to be a part of. But it's more so about the relationship than it is the building. It's more so about the relationship more so than it is about the religion. It's about making sure you're keeping your heart clear and open for him to just pour into you each and every single day. Um, and, and that's what my faith means to me. Wow. Thank you so much, Massey. I've absolutely loved this interview. Definitely one of my favorites um, and particularly okay. everything going on. I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from this, go ahead and share this with them. Also, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps us out. See you next time.